I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. From Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions. A liar on national TV? I think you called me a liar on national TV? There are days especially lately, where it feels like we are just swimming in lies. That is outlandish, even by the standards of today's politics. Are are you saying that you didn't say that? You are fake news. Sir, They're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains... Alternative facts? He, He tells things that are false all the time. Is it because he's sort of an Orwellian figure, an authoritarian figure who's twisting words in an Orwellian manner, 1984, to um, to exercise power and control people's minds? Or is he a five-year-old who has ego needs that need to be fed? But really, this is nothing new. Lies have always been with us, especially in politics. What's the first clause in the first sentence of the most famous speech in American history. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. No, they didn't. (laughs) That is a lie. This is Joe Ellis, a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian. He's a leading scholar on the American Revolution. In 1776, four score and seven, we didn't create a nation. We created a confederation of sovereign states, provisionally united to win the war and then go their separate ways, which is exactly what they did. This is audio from a talk he did at a bookstore in 2015, where he explained that Abraham Lincoln built the Gettysburg Address around an idea that just wasn't true. Now, Lincoln had to lie in 1863, because he had to justify the Union side in the Civil War. And he had the moral right on his side, but he didn't have history on his side. I mean, we want, we're not calling Lincoln a liar, okay? We're saying he got his facts wrong for a good reason. I first heard about Joe Ellis from this guy. Okay, yes, I can hear you. This is Alex Gibney. What's going on with you today? I'm over the moon. No, it's a shit show today. Is it a shit show? Alex is a documentary filmmaker. He's been fascinated by lies for a long time. They are the invisible thread that connects a lot of his movies. Films like The Armstrong Lie, About the Cyclist, or Taxi to the Dark Side, his Academy Award-winning film about torture. 
and how those responsible lied to themselves and the American people about what they did. Alex had reached out to me because one day, not that long ago. I was just listening to the radio. (laughs) Driving around in New Jersey. And uh, and on came this show about um, lying. I thought, wow. I ended up there with our producer, Alan Horn. We hadn't actually meant to come. An old Radio Lab rerun on the radio. Which I understand you produced. I did. I love that episode. So Alex called me up to talk about this idea he had for a new podcast series on lying. And he started telling me about a story. Sometimes a story makes a mark. You always remember it. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. So, So in this case, I didn't shake it. Alex told me that Joe Ellis, that historian talking about the Gettysburg Address, had been caught lying about his own life. Um, I misrepresented my military experience. I was in the Army for three years, but I claimed to be in Vietnam. I mean, why would he go there? The idea of this man telling that lie. This is a guy who is a truth seeker. As right? a historian. As a historian. Yeah. He's trying to figure out what happened. It really struck a nerve for Alex. I wonder why he did it. It was bizarre. I got curious, and so I started making calls. I'm looking to talk to history majors. Spoke to a bunch of Ellis's former students. The class was the literature of uh, Vietnam War. He was like, people loved him. And the reporter who broke the Joe Ellis story. My name is uh, Walter Robinson. He goes by Robbie. I've been, uh, my God, at the Globe um, since uh, 1972. Where he was a part of the Spotlight team. And the Spotlight team, as you probably know, is best known for having uh, published hundreds of stories about the Catholic Church clergy sexual abuse scandal. There's a movie about that, Spotlight. It's really good. Which story do you want us to write? Because we're writing one of them. Okay, so who played you in the movie version? Michael Keaton. Is that a weird experience? Really weird. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. The story of how Robbie uncovered Joseph Ellis's lies. Well, it's not a story of abuse or corruption on a large scale. And it didn't seem that interesting or important to me when Alex first mentioned it. I just wasn't sure we should tell this story. And as it turns out, when Robbie first got the lead, he wasn't sure either. Before embarking on a story like this, and certainly before publishing it, you have to ask yourself the question, The public has a right to know this, but do they have a need to know it? Is this an invasion of privacy? Is this something that's important enough that the public should know about it? Is the behavior of the public figure in this case so reprehensible that it ought to be reported? So, obviously... We both came to think that this story about a scholar of our national history lying about his personal history is fascinating and does matter. Let me back up. Back in 2000, a reporter at The Globe interviewed Joseph Ellis for Profile. If you can just read from The Globe article. Ellis was in Vietnam as a platoon leader with the 101st Airborne. He painted a picture of himself, an extra 110 a month, he says. gradually lured deeper into the war, from ROTC to being a paratrooper. came to be a paratrooper. And he said, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. During this interview, Ellis said his duty included time in Saigon on the staff of General William C. Westmoreland. And then he told this dramatic story of going from working on a command staff 
to having a moral awakening, returning home and joining the peace movement. After the article ran, the Boston Globe got an anonymous tip that Ellis had lied about going to Vietnam. So Robbie put in a records request. And I got that back rather quickly, and it showed that, in fact, he had never left the United States during that period. In fact, his military, active military service uh, involved three years of teaching history at West Point. Ellis had definitely lied. But Robbie set it aside. It wasn't clear that this was a story that should be published. But then... In April of 2000, Professor Ellis won the Pulitzer Prize for his uh, extraordinary book, Founding Brothers. And what had felt like a small question suddenly seemed like a bigger deal. A Pulitzer-winning historian lying about his own role in Vietnam? We made a decision at The Globe that I should go ahead and complete reporting for this story, which I did. Still, it wasn't an easy decision. Professor Ellis had an extraordinary career and is a revered American historian, and no one has questioned the integrity of his scholarship. Other historians have scrutinized Ellis's work. No one has ever suggested that he is wrong on the details, wrong on the meaning, in his interpretation of history. Robbie had a dilemma, but... Finally, after going through all of the catalogs at Mount Holyoke... Robbie made another discovery that he taught a course in Vietnam and American culture. And when I saw that, I wondered immediately whether he ever raised this uh, fictionalized Vietnam service of his in class. And I began to contact students who took this course both at Mount Holyoke College and at Amherst College and interviewed them about this course and what he said. And everyone I interviewed who'd taken this course remembered him recalling different instances of his service in Vietnam. I remember him saying something about, like, you know, how all the Vietnam movies portray explosions and and drama and kind of, you know, this traumatic aspect. I, remember, I spoke with one student from Joseph Ellis's class at Amherst, Eric Carey. With just, like, a few words, he said, I never saw any of that, <laughs> which I guess ironically was, was literally true. Eric had taken one of Ellis's stories to heart before learning it was untrue. It had made a big impression on him. And he kind of related this story of like a kind of big, burly jock um, having a moment of, of, of sentiment and kind of walking out in the field, you know, with, of all things, an Emily Dickinson, a book of poetry, and then just sitting down underneath a tree and being moved to tears. It seemed so real, like, you know, it seemed very relatable. Another student told The Globe she was dumbstruck when she learned Ellis had been lying about his role in Vietnam. She vividly remembered him talking about being at My Lai, shortly before American soldiers brutally killed almost 500 civilians there. I'm struck by these details. Ellis putting himself into Vietnam history as an eyewitness. Imagine leaping into the action from the sky as a paratrooper, or what was it like in the inner circle of General Westmoreland's military command in Saigon? Picture those children and the women in the village of My Lai. To me, that academic uh, dishonesty 
on a pretty grand scale was, I think, the tipping point. And any doubts we had about whether this was a story worth reporting went away at, at that point. Imagine you're a history professor. It's crazy. Right? You're a history professor dedicated to the truth, and you're telling students day in and day out this m- magnificent lie about your life. It's crazy. See, this wasn't Joe Ellis's only lie. It wasn't just about Vietnam. This went deeper than that. Once I discovered there were one or two fabrications, I checked everything. Everything. And the more Robbie checked, the more fabrications he found. He claimed that he had gone to Mississippi during Mississippi summer of 1964 to help register uh, black voters. That was not true. Ellis had told The Globe... An interesting time, he says, recalling local police pounding on his door late at night and state troopers tailing his car. Wow. I mean, the lies become more and more elaborate. Ellis once again had cast himself in a moment of history, this time as a civil rights worker in Mississippi. The Globe had described Ellis as, quote, a historian with firsthand experience of history. His lies seemed designed to achieve that impression. Some stories, though, were more personal. He claimed to have scored the winning touchdown for his his football team in his final year in high school in Washington, D.C. In fact, the team was shut out in the last game, and he wasn't even on the team. I have to say... uh, One takes no pleasure in doing this kind of story. Robbie remembers what he felt like, trying to get Ellis to talk to him. I remember going out to his house because he wouldn't consent to an interview. So on a Friday afternoon, I drove out to Amherst, and I appeared on his doorstep, and I rang his bell, and he answered the door, and he was quite cordial. I told him who I was. And he wasn't happy to see me. He said that he didn't want to do an interview. And then he said to me, I guess I'll have to suffer the consequences of your story. And he said, but I believe I am an honorable man. And I put those quotes in the story. There are judgment calls in every story. Revealing a lie impacts the person who tells that lie and the person who exposes it. The one thing, and I still think of this, that gave me pause is when I was leaving his house, his wife had just driven into the driveway, and in the back seat was their 12-year-old son with his baseball uniform on and his, his hat and his glove. And what troubled me most about The story was the fact that here was a 12-year-old boy who knew nothing about this, and that when the story appeared, this kid would almost certainly face uh, some form of harassment or bullying because of what his father had done. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why did Ellis do it? What drove this historical truth-seeker to imagine himself so vividly into moments and places in history? And how could he tell such detailed lies about his own life, but keep those embellishments and fabrications out of his scholarship on other people's lives? I found myself wondering about Ellis, fascinated by him and this story. I'm frustrated that we couldn't get Ellis to talk to us. Unfortunately, as close as we'll get is this interview when Ellis went on the Charlie Rose show in 2004. All right, now tell me what happened to you. What happened to me? I made a very, a Pulitzer very... Prize-winning, National Book Award-winning author. I did something really stupid. Um, Ellis did this interview after the publication of his book about George Washington. But it was more than stupid. It was wrong. Ellis said that over time, after he was publicly exposed by Walter Robinson... I came to the conclusion it was a sin and uh, that it wasn't just a mistake, it was a sin, and that the only thing you can do with a sin is face it and uh, confess it publicly and then do penance and after a decent interval, ask for forgiveness. And do what you know best. Which and is do what to... you know best and learn lessons. Like, yeah. I've learned some lessons. Like what? Humility is the truest expression of confidence. You'll never face your own imperfections unless you're forced to. Most of your wounds are self-inflicted. What Joe Ellis is not reckoning with on The Charlie Rose Show is the hard work of really understanding and expressing why he lied. It's frustrating listening to that. Charlie Rose doesn't ask him any questions about it. Right. And it's hard. I mean, having been on the other side, having been an interviewer, when you have somebody in the chair who's confessing, it's... It's difficult to probe, but in this case, it seems to me the key question that you want to know and ask is, why? Why did you do it? Um, Because that gets to the heart of the matter. So, Alex, one of the places that you and I disagreed when we first talked about this was whether this was a story that was worth bringing up. Right. And, And you took the position that it was and that it was fascinating. Uh, Initially, I felt like, well, unless we could get Charles to talk to us, unless we could start to plausibly answer the question of why he did it. Right. 
it wasn't worth bringing up. But I have to say, I've kind of come around to your point of view, in part because of talking to Robbie. Sure. So hearing his story and his wrestling, but also as as we've been producing this series, trying to over and over again, having to be faced, we've been faced with the decision, which lie is an important enough lie to reveal? Right. Why should we talk about some lies versus others? Right. And I think over the course of that, the Ellis story has become just more interesting. It does become interesting because he's lying. What makes it so interesting is that he's lying so often and so ornately in public to a class that he's trying to teach about the truth, right? That is, that I think is what makes the story worth telling and thinking about. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark. There's this fascinating footnote to the Ellis story. After Robbie published the expose, one of his colleagues at the Globe handed a letter to him. And it says, and this is the weird part, give me some, and then some is underlined, cover on the Vietnam. The Vietnam phase is the word. I don't have the document in front of me. Oh, give me Uh, some cover. I see it. Give me some cover on the Vietnam phase. It's a weird note. So let's rewind to when the Globe reporter, Mark Feeney, interviewed Ellis. So here's, uh, here's what happened. After the interview, Ellis reached out with this handwritten note on personal stationery and sent this plea. He mailed it to the Boston Globe, but not to Mark Feeney, the guy who interviewed him and who he lied to, but to a totally different writer, Neil Swidey. Now, Neil didn't really know Ellis, and he totally didn't get it. He had no idea what this give-me-some-cover sentence referred to. And so this note completely forgot about it. Months later, Robbie's expose is published, and Neil is like, Oh, now I get it. Now this note told a story. Ellis was living in two different worlds, one of which knew he had not been to Vietnam, and the other one was led to believe that he had and that he was fearful after giving the interview to Mark Feeney that he had maybe said too much. One thing Robbie understands is that in his work, you're never totally sure if the person you're interviewing knows the difference between the story they're telling you and the truth. And this note, well, this note is evidence that Ellis knew. So it was a clue about this self-awareness. Oh, yeah. I gotta say, I find this part of Robbie's story astonishing. But it's because it's the sort of closure you just never get doing this sort of work. As people invested in telling true stories for a long time, Alex and I both wrestle with the strangeness of interviewing people. So last week, we're sitting in your office, and you said... This whole series online is making me think, what the f*** am I doing with my career? Right. Our understanding of this strange work of ours has evolved over the years. You know, I had just taken for granted that people, you know, what people were telling me was the truth. Yeah. Or that they were, you know, by and large, um, telling me something that really happened. When I had to suddenly realize, oh my God, you know, actually... These are just constructs, and they may bear some relationship to what happened. But in a funny way that after a brief period of total panic, it allowed me to come out the other side and think, well, yeah, 
that's the way the world is. That's why we tell stories. And slowly over time, you learn to appreciate stories, both for what they tell you and how close you think they might be to the truth, but also you appreciate them for the manner in which they depart from the truth. As you get older, as we get older, I feel much less confident that I that I know the truth. Mm. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was totally certain that I could figure it out and that I would know it certainly and that I was full of boundless rage at anyone who lied to me yes. or and and as I move towards senility, I mean, I certainly have <laughs> like much more empathy um for confusion. But it's like it's along every axis. It's like it, it uh I just feel much less confidence that that the truth is that straightforward, that it can be understood, that even in my best efforts, I can be fully honest right. with myself, with anyone, you know, that and so so we spun out a little trying to find our footing with this new series. Well, once you define the series as a show, a show about lies, oh my God, they're everywhere. Like any story could be a story in this series. And so that's really become overwhelming for us. Like which Ponzi scheme or, you know, unfaithful spouse or whatever are we going to be doing in this series? Ugh. And yet... I still believe truth matters despite everything. I'm sure you this has occurred to you as well, but it, it, we are in a period in our national life now, I don't mean to make a political statement, where uh, everyone's embellishments and lies pale in comparison and seem minor in comparison to what we get every day from our maximum leader. And there's been this total devaluing uh, structurally and culturally in the news media. Yeah. So the idea we kept circling back to is that the most egregious lies aren't always the most revealing. Perhaps shining a light on the lies we tell can help us see more clearly. You can see dark corners in people and yet conclude that that doesn't eclipse the value of the person, right? That, that, that we all have dark corners, that, that we're complicated people. Those, those corners are relatable places also. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking in the mirror. There's a little bit of con artist in each of us. When we tell stories, especially stories which are not true, what's revealed are reflections of who we are, what we want, what we fear. These stories can tell us all kinds of things about ourselves. And facing those things, that's the best shot we have at understanding what the truth really means. Lies We Tell is a series of character-driven stories with me, Ellen Horn, and Alex Gibney. Our next story, a totally different kind of mystery, about dreams and Hollywood, a wildly elaborate con which took hundreds of people on a ride. My mind was racing. I was going over and over all of the conversations that I had 
had with this character. I felt very stupid. I felt incredibly, incredibly ashamed. I mean, I was really angry. and I was definitely feeling a little embarrassed, you know, that we fell for this. This story takes us around the world following one victim's journey, coming face-to-face with the person at the center of the spider's web and into the mind of a genius-level scam artist. So come along with us on that investigation and the rest of our series. And buckle up. From Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions, Lies We Tell is produced in association with Story Mechanics. Our producers are Claire Sloan Vance, Brenna Farrell, associate producers Sophie Behrman and Tessa Kramer. Our interns are Silver Lifton and Ali Einberg. Our executive producers are Ellen Horn, Stacy Offman, Richard Perello, Joey Mara, and John Schmidt. Original score and mixing by Story Mechanics. Our composer is Darren Gray. Our sound engineers are Charles Michelet, Hannes Brown, and Violet Ferton. Special thanks to Jamie Lines, Matt Sachs, and Kenzie Wilbur. Our researcher is Camille Peterson. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.